All right, it's time for a new episode of Storytime with Dave, and I'm your host, Dave. And it's Martin Luther King Day. I haven't released an episode in probably two or three weeks, and so much has happened. And so there's so much to talk about, but because it is Martin Luther King Day, I'm going to spend the next hour and a half saying the most racist things I can think of, okay? Do you think that that would be a fun episode? Of course it would. But I'm obviously joking. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I doubt that I might even say anything racist at all for the duration of this episode. But we just don't know. These aren't the kind of things I can foresee. I don't plan. There's just a loose couple bullet points that I want to get to. And will racism be sprinkled in? I don't know. I'm not going to deliberately go out of my way to do that. If it's incidental, then so be it. And Martin Luther King, he was a great guy, obviously. The problem, I'll tell you this, with Martin. The problem with Martin is, you know, when you want to be a top dog like that and be on TV and have a day named after you, then you got to... You got to start playing the game. That's what the problem is. Okay? So Martin could have been something even greater. But he decided that he he felt what was right. And I used to talk to Martin about this all the time. And he felt that what was right... You know, I was there in Selma. We were holding hands. You can see me in that picture. And Martin felt like... It was the exposure, the influence that he could make the most, the the greatest impact he felt he could make if he played the game. And for that, you cannot, you cannot be true in playing the game. We all know this. If you want to play the game, it's a sacrifice. Maybe it'll work out for the best, but... You all know what you're getting into. Everyone knows what they're getting into. You play the game. You have to become a liar. You have to become deceptive. You have to, uh, you got a HOC. You got a house of cards, right? You've watched house of cards before. You know how these people operate. It, it's, it's completely accurate. That show is completely accurate. That's how it is. So Martin decided, here's how I can have the most impact. I'm going to play the game. So he got to be on TV and he got to be the leader of the movement and people always remember him. Although towards the end of his career, and most people don't know this either, people didn't really fuck with him anymore. When he was close to his assassination, which was carried out obviously by the FBI, but we're not sure. It could have been the CIA. It was one of the two. I haven't done too much research into his assassination, but it's, uh, it's, it's almost certain That it wasn't a lone wolf because it never is. And they were kind of, they were kind of wilding at the time. That was kind of during a period of about 10, 10 years where the CIA was just going a little crazy with the assassinations. They were going a little crazy with the assassinations. Kind of, you might even say over the top, you might say, guys, really, I know you can do this and you can get away with it very easily, but does that mean you should? That's the real question. And they felt that the answer was yes. So Martin played the game. You know, the real, the real, the real hero 
okay? While Martin was playing the game and therefore being fake and, you know, uh, the whites, he had to he had to play the game with the whites. You know what I'm saying? He had no choice. Well, of course he had a choice, but he made his choice. And so he had to play ball with the whites and and keep them happy, kind of, you know? So he keeps spreading his message and whatnot. But while that went on, obviously we have the unspoken hero that he never gets nearly as much credit is Malcolm X. So why don't you spend your Martin Luther King Day learning about Malcolm X, the true black king? Okay, because he's awesome. He's a baller. And... uh he knew he wasn't going to get a day named after him. He knew that. But he said, I'm not playing this bullshit, this bullshit ass white people game. He said, no, I'm not doing it. And and he was able for that reason to stay true. And also for that reason, he does not have a day. And that's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice you make. Play the game, you might get a day named after you. And... And Malcolm, I mean, really, they both knew what the true issues were and that they had a lot more to do with economics and things of that nature than they had to do with race, to, to be fair. I mean, obviously, race play, plays a role. But they started to figure out, well, Malcolm was way ahead of the game on this, but they both, you know, eventually Martin started to figure it out for himself that Really, it was economic justice that was needed. And that that was too threatening of a message for the whites. And the whites said, you're no longer playing. So you need to die. You understand? The whites were like, we can't have you run in your mouth about economic justice. Because we are the aristocrats. And we are put directly in danger if you start riling up the masses to maybe not kill the rich, but to get even, that kind of thing. So they said, uh-uh, Martin's got to go. Obviously, Malcolm also had to go. And they'll have you believe that it was Farrakhan and the, um, the Muslim Brotherhood or whatever they were called. And uh, they were involved, yeah, but that... that that was an intelligence operation as well. Intelligence will work with these people. They work with the mafia to kill. They work with the mafia and the Cuban exiles to kill uh, JFK. So clearly they're not, you know, they, they started the, 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 the CIA started the crack epidemic. They started that because they had to work with black money. They had to work with not racially black money. You understand like black market money. Why you have to make everything racist all the time? So, you know, they're not above that. <coughs> That's my introduction. We talk about Martin and Malcolm a little bit. Malcolm, the true king. Malcolm is like... Malcolm is like... I'm trying... I was trying to think of a... I was trying to think of a... like an analogy 
you know? And then it would be Martin is kind of like whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm over it, and it wasn't going to be good anyway. So we're moving on. Now, as I mentioned, many things have occurred since my last episode. But it seems that that's always the case because every two weeks there's a quote-unquote historical moment or a really convincing staged moment. That's kind of what I think about a lot of these things. Um, well, hang on. Okay, my bad. You know, but whatever. Um, so I don't even know where to start. I guess I should start with the capital stuff because you know what? I got to say... And I am just still reeling. I am still reeling from the attempted coup when these domestic white supremacist terrorists attempted to overthrow the democratically elected United States government. It made me so sad. It was insurrection. It was an attempted coup. And I know, I know what a coup looks like, okay? It's scary. It's an attempted coup. I can't believe they did that. They were taking selfies in the the Senate chamber. Selfies. It was an attempted coup. They tried to overthrow the government with by taking pictures of themselves in a in a government building and they didn't burn it down or anything. It was an attempted coup. I'm so reeling right now. I'm so reeling. It's really fucked up, you guys. <clears throat> you know, make sure you're wearing... Make sure you get the new, new guidelines are two masks. Make sure you're wearing two masks. I just want to throw that in there. I'm going to keep you... I'm going to periodically remind you. My philosophy is that if you're not... If you're wearing less than 10 masks, you really don't care. But two's better than better than nothing and if you're gonna wear one you might as well not wear one because wearing one mask is worse than wearing no mask because two masks is better and 10 masks is best and if you could fit more then then put on more you faggot okay unless you don't care about people you know there was an attempted coup and there was insurrection and trust me i know what both of those words mean okay now, a lot of people say you need the backing of the military to have an actual attempted coup. And I say no. I say no. Because those people at the Capitol, one of them had uh, zip ties. And what was he going to do with those? Out of the tens of thousands of people there, one of them had zip ties. What do you think he was going to do with those? He was going to zip tie every member of Congress holding them all hostage alone by himself. That's a coup, baby. Doesn't anyone know anything about what a coup is? A lot of people think it's when like one leader will like convince the military to back him and then kind of in one fell swoop, uh, the military will come in, they will get rid of the old leader and they will put in the new leader. That's generally speaking how they go. I mean, it, it could happen... The CIA does it a little differently when when we're uh, cooing other nations. I mean, you can look into, um, <coughs> you can look into like Guatemala or the Congo, and 
you know, these kinds of uh, Libya, right? That kind of stuff. Libya was more of a State Department operation, but still. Usually that's what goes on. So obviously, if you don't have the backing of the military, a coup would be impossible because then you what are you just going to be occupying the the Capitol or the White House and acting like you're the president when you don't have the backing of the military? If you don't have the military, then you cannot execute a coup. And especially if you don't have the backing of the most powerful military the world has ever known, right? Well, that's what that's what the buffoons want you to think, those fools. They actually think you need the backing of the military to have a truly attempted coup. No, what we saw at the Capitol building, that was the real deal. That was an attempted coup. I mean, what might have happened? We might have had white supremacist, nationalist, nationalist Nazi neos coming into the White House, taking it over, and and people would have just allowed it. And the military wouldn't have been able to do anything because it was an attempted coup and it was insurrection. So, you know, I mean, I saw people, what I saw on the TV truly disturbed me. It was people wearing Trump neo-maga Nazi stuff. These neo-maga Trump Nazi, Nazi supremajon stuff, white, whiteness, white. Nazi, all of them were, were, I saw, what I saw truly disturbed me. I saw white supremacist neo-maga Nazis. I saw neo-maga white Nazi neo-neo-maga-maga neo-Nazis, okay? I saw these people inside my Capitol building with my government that loves me and cares about me, and I'm reeling. I am reeling. I am reeling from the insurrection. And it's like they don't even care about our democratically elected institutions where there are lobbyists and people pay to get into Congress and stuff. It's literally pay to play and you can't win unless you have the backing of corporations. My democracy, I say. These insurrectionists. My democratically elected democracy. These insurrectionists. Oh my gosh. I saw these white MAGA supremacist neos walking calmly through the Capitol building, taking videos of themselves, sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk. If that's not a coup, then I don't, I don't even know the meaning of the word, you know? And perhaps I'm like, perhaps I'm like every liberal commentator in America right now, and I also don't know what the word coup means. Perhaps that's true, but I doubt it. I think I know. I think I know a thing or two because I'm very smart, okay? And if you don't think I'm smart, that's fine, but you probably got that that COVID vaccine a little early, and it's it's working. Let me tell you something. Sounds like it's working for you if you don't think I'm smart. Sounds like that vaccine's working. Okay, for those who know, because you know what they're intended to do, right? But you wouldn't, you know, insurrection at the Capitol. Have you noticed how, um, (coughs) 
sometimes you got to watch the the real news, right? A lot of people get fake news propaganda, but for me, and I, I look, I, I'll engage a little bit with the propaganda. Sometimes I like that kind of thing. But for me, I like watching the real news. So obviously, I gravitate towards CNN, MSNBC, you know, the real news, the New York Times. Um, none of this, you know, propaganda stuff. I, I, I try to gravitate towards the real news, you know, like CNN, uh, like Brian Selter. But I'm worried about Brian Selter. Google a picture of Brian Selter and look how fat he's getting. He's, I mean, he's borderline morbidly obese. He's fat, disgusting slob. But he does tell the truth all the time. He's no propagandist. So it does, I, it, it brings me no joy to comment on the fact that he is morbidly obese and I'm worried about him. He's disgusting, fat slob that they put on TV. But he's a truth speaker. You know, and the thing about CNN and and these uh, these big corporate you know media conglomerates, MSNBC, Fox, all truth tellers is that they they what they're lucky about is they don't have to rely on advertising money because it's it's a blatant conflict of interest. Um, you know, if you were to if you had to report the news, and Let's say, okay, 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 crazy example. I'll give a crazy example that's obviously not true. If you have to report the news about, let's say, I don't know, let's say some crazy shit happened. I don't know, I don't know. Let me think. <coughs> Let me think of a scenario of like a crazy thing happening. And, okay, how about this? Let's say there was like a big virus, like a, a virus spread across the world, right? Like, it's not even that big of a deal, the virus, but, um, but anyway, no, so it's, it's not even that big of a deal. Like it's, it's no, it's no good. It's not a great virus. It's, uh, it's kind of serious for some people, for, for a lot of people, it's really not serious at all, especially for young people. They don't seem to be affected by it. Let's say, and so let's say this is what's going on. And, and, uh, now, so that, these big media, these big corporate media conglomerates, they have to report on it, right? So let's say it's going on for a while. And um, now here, here's what would be crazy. This would be, this is why I love the corporate news media because they don't have to do this. But imagine if they did do this and how messed up this would be and how crazy this would be. So let's say you had this virus, right? Now let's say these corporate uh, media outlets had to get money from advertising revenue, right? Let's say like that was their only source of revenue or like basically their only source was from advertising revenue. Now let's say that the big pharmaceutical industries were contributing lots of money to these, uh, to these networks, right? So let's say like, I don't know, a company, what's a big, um, what's a big pharmaceutical company? Let me think. Pfizer, Pfizer. Let's say like Pfizer contributes a bunch of money to CNN, right? To pay for people's salaries like, I don't know, like Anderson Cooper and Jake Tapper and stuff. Like obviously this is ridiculous. It's not it's not true. I'm I'm bringing this up as like an example of what would be really crazy and messed up. Um obviously this is not what goes on. I again, like I'm saying like I don't I don't pay attention to the propaganda, which is usually independent journalists. It's usually small 
small independent journalists who are the propagandists. And when it comes to these giant corporate media conglomerates, like, you know, these big tech monopolies, they're usually not the ones engaging in propaganda. You see, most of the time when you see propaganda, it's not the state doing it. You understand? A lot of people don't really know what propaganda even is. Most of the time, propaganda is individuals. It is individual journalists. It is individual, um, you know, investigative journalists who engage in propaganda. Generally speaking, the state has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, in fact, the state really doesn't like propaganda. Kind of morally opposed to it. And obviously, when you talk about morality, what's the first thing that comes to mind is our our U.S. United States Congress, people like Nancy Pelosi. And I thought she was going to die on that day. I thought they were going to go kill Nancy, my girl. I was so scared. Okay. And um, so now let's imagine this, though. We're going to keep going down this road. I just want to show you what could happen and what will be so messed up and why I'm so thankful that, why I'm so thankful that, you know, that, that, I have trustworthy news sources like CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and, and this kind of thing. So, I got a little congestion in my nose. That's why you're hearing it. That's a pretty regular thing for me. It's COVID. I'm a long-term COVIDer. I'm a long-hauler. <laughs> okay. Let's say these media... These corporate media conglomerates, these big networks, let's say they were getting money from, I don't know, what's a big pharmaceutical company? I don't know, Pfizer, right? Let's say they're getting money from Pfizer, right? And then there's this hypothetical virus going around, right? Well, eventually, what do people usually do? What, what do we usually do when there's a new virus? We because we're amazing and we we are innovative and we use the power of science capital s which i pray to each night before i go to bed i close my eyes and i pray to science and i bow before my neil degrasse tyson effigy and i burn it in a ritualistic kind of uh thing and obviously i mean i i would hope that you do the same where you'll go to science hell so we all want to go to science heaven. So make sure you're burning your Neil deGrasse Tyson effigy each night and you're praying to science. Um, so, you know, obviously pretty reasonable stuff. Um, I, I don't I think religion is so stupid. I think religion is for retarded people. And that's why I that's why I don't pray to God. I pray to Greta Thumb Thumburger. OK, so. um now, let's say this is hypothetical, right? What do we usually do because of the power of science and, and our brilliance and our genius is we, um, we actually make vaccines. We actually make vaccines for these viruses so we can cure them. And we can make it so, really, it's not necessarily a cure, but we make it so everyone is immune to the virus, the wonders of technology, of science, capital S, pray to you. You also got to make money off the, the vaccine because it's expensive. I mean, think about it like this. You make a vaccine, everyone's got to get it. That's 
billions of doses, billions, that costs money doing the research, the development, so much money. You know, it's really important. It's really important that you have that money, you know, because uh, it allows for these companies to more effectively create a vaccine that we all could take it. Now, let's say <laughs> these companies, so these companies have to make profit. These companies like Pfizer because, and look, they deserve the money. They're benevolent. They are benevolent kings. And they've helped us so much by creating very, very beneficial drugs that help people like fentanyl. I don't know if you've ever heard of fentanyl, but you know, that's just one example of something that big pharma has, has produced that's generally speaking made people's lives much better. And I mean, you know, same with same goes for opioids, right? Um, just another example of something that big pharma has made. This obviously made the world a better place. I mean, look at the United States of America before opioids and look at it after opioids and then try to tell me that big pharma isn't doing a great job. I mean, you'd have to be vaccinated. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with vaccines and they're really good. Now, let's say that Pfizer has to make money. And when they make this vaccine that they spend all the money on, people got to take it. People got to take it. Okay. Because, you know, how are they going to sell them all and stuff like that? Although they, they get these, they do get like contracts and stuff where the government guarantees that they'll buy a certain amount. But whatever. Let me just keep doing this. It's hypothetical. Obviously, this isn't something that's going on. So you got this virus. You got to make a vaccine. You got to make people on board with it. So now let's say, hypothetically, it turns out that the virus... God damn it. It turns out that the fucking virus isn't as isn't as serious as it was supposed to be. This is the problem. The virus was supposed to be really really bad. And unfortunately, it's only kind of bad, not really. Now what are you going to do? Well, these people got to make their money. These companies got to make their money. And, you know, what, 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 think about it like this. What allows CNN or MSNBC or Fox to charge a lot of money for people to advertise on their networks? Well, it's viewership. It's viewership, you know? And if everyone thinks, if everyone thinks that, this virus isn't that bad, hypothetical virus, then they're not going to be looking on the news all the time to see what the news is on the virus because it's just not that bad. And they're just going to be like, okay, you know, no one ever was really turning on the news like every day trying to figure out what's going on with the flu, right? No one does that. So, so it's a problem when the virus turns out to not be that good, then the pharmaceutical money coming in, it might dry up a little bit because they go, look, I mean, this just really isn't worth our while. We'd like to be able to pay you a lot of money for advertising, but it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense for us right now. And then the, the media, let's say hypothetically, so, you know, Jake Tapper and Anderson Cooper got to take a pay cut, but they don't want that. Why would you? I mean, I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to take a pay cut for, for any reason. 
So the the CNN execs come up and they go, look, Anderson, we we got a. You're making a lot of money, man, and uh, this virus turned out to not be that good. Kind of a little bit of a hit to our bottom line. So you you gotta look. We got we gotta cut the pay a little bit. We gotta cut your pay a little bit. Now, obviously, obviously. Anderson doesn't want to lose any money because he's just a guy. He's regular. He's got a family. He's got a support. He's got a mansion. And utilities cost a lot when you have a gigantic home. So, so what do you got to do? You got to dial it up, Anderson. Dial it up. Make it seem worse, Anderson. Make it seem worse. Imagine this hypothetical. And I'm so glad this isn't the case because imagine this hypothetical where these things are all linked together. Like the pharmaceutical companies are linked to the media companies who have these people at institutes, who have these scientists at institutes that are funded by pharmaceutical companies, right? So imagine you have this web where everyone's connected and everyone's kind of in cahoots, even if it's kind of loosely in cahoots, like they don't have to be, maybe they don't have to be specifically on the phone with each other every day, like all these people, but they know their role. They know their role. They know what they're supposed to do. They know which way the wind blows. Okay. They know where the funding's coming from and they know what the funding relies upon. I mean, imagine that. And that's why I guess what I'm trying to say is because the other thing is this, and this is also a big one. This is a big one. Imagine for a second, like, let's say this company, I don't know what the fuck, like, what's an example of a big pharmaceutical company? I don't know. Like, I don't know, Pfizer. Let's say it was Pfizer, right? So let's say Pfizer, you got this big virus, obviously, it's uh, hypothetical. There's no nothing like that going on right now, Thank, thankfully, thank goodness. You got this big virus, you got to get a vaccine. What if the first company, like let's say, I don't know, what's an example of a big, you know, what's a pharma, big pharmaceutical company? Let's say it was like Pfizer, right? You guys know Pfizer? They, okay, let's say it's like Pfizer. They make... Uh, they're the first ones to make the vaccine, right? Let's say that happens. And uh, the, the media, these big corporate media machines, they get money from Pfizer. And now let's say <coughs> there are some news stories coming out. Like, I don't know, here and there. They start to roll out this vaccine. Obviously, it's hypothetical. There's no virus. So why would there be a vaccine? Obviously, this is stuff that could happen that I'm so glad it doesn't because of the ethics and integrity of, you know, networks like CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. Now, let's say Pfizer makes this vaccine, right? They're the first ones. They make this vaccine, and some news stories start coming out about how uh, it might not be so great. They might have rushed it a little bit. I mean, obviously, look, you got a big, scary virus, you want to get that vaccine out as soon as possible. It makes so much sense. And so Pfizer, no one faults them for that. They actually say, good job, Pfizer. This is obviously hypothetical. And, and so what happens? So they make this, and it turns out, it turns out that some people are having bad reactions to the vaccine. Some people, I mean, it's like, you know, it's happening. And it's happening enough that, 
some uh, independent propagandists are starting to write news stories about it, right? We already went over propaganda and how it's way more likely that independent journalists will engage in propaganda than the state. The state really is, propaganda is not really a state thing. It's an individual journalist thing, okay? So let's say these individual journalist propagandists are publishing these stories that are being very unfair to Pfizer because they're, they're, they're telling the truth about bad reactions that people are having to the, to the medication or to the vaccine. Very unfair. Because even though they're true stories, they, it doesn't mean they deserve to be told, right? I mean, no, they actually do deserve to get told because that's not propaganda. I, I messed up. See, here's what the problem would be. And why I'm so glad that CNN and MSNBC are not purchased by pharmaceutical companies. Like, I don't know. What's an example of a big pharmaceutical company? Like, I don't know, like Pfizer, right? I'm so glad that they're not purchased by them. That they're not purchased because, because then if there were stories coming out about bad reactions to the vaccine, then CNN, MSNBC, and Fox wouldn't report on them because they're getting money from Pfizer. So they got to kind of hold Pfizer down. They got to they gotta go, we're not going to tell these stories because, because it's a bad look for you guys. You guys give us lots of money. This is why I'm so glad that we have truly reasonable, fair, non-propaganda, honest journalism coming from these gigantic media conglomerates. Doesn't that make you happy that we have people that we could trust on the television? Now, you got to stay away from these individual propagandists, okay? These people like uh, Aaron Maté and Glenn Greenwald who do investigative journalism and determine that that um, Russia didn't rig the election. Imagine spreading propaganda like that. It's horrible. It makes me... It gives me chills because I get so upset. It's like when I think about how they almost they almost took Nancy from us. And she's the most honest bad bitch. She's the most honest bad bitch in Congress. She's so good. They almost took her. That had to be staged. There's no way. How is that possible when, okay, listen, when a black person gets shot by a white cop, they have Washington, D.C. locked the fuck down in an hour, you know? Because everyone was saying like, well, what if that was black people storming the Capitol? What if that was black people? It would have been a bloodbath. No, because it would have never had the opportunity to happen because they wouldn't have allowed it to happen or they maybe they would have. But the only reason that happened at the Capitol and why like barely anyone got hurt and why the cops weren't shooting at people is because they allowed it to happen. I mean, how else could you explain that? This is the Capitol. Donald Trump talked about it for for literally like a month or two. 
He kept saying January 6th, January 6th. Everyone knew that something was going down. The fact that they didn't have a shitload of security is insane. But it, then it's not insane when you consider, like, then they just let it happen. Like, that's what happened. They allowed it to happen. And I don't know why. You know, I can only speculate. And I suppose me saying that they allowed it to happen is technically speculation. But, like, they allowed it to happen. They did not put any extra security. They knew there were going to be people down there. They knew this was a very realistic possibility. So why would they do that? I wonder. You know, because this whole thing made, they don't like Donald Trump, but this whole thing made Trump look so good. So I wonder why they would allow something like this to happen, because obviously Trump came away from all the Capitol, the Capitol Hill insurrection looking way, way better than before, right? He Looking almost his best. They unimpeached him. I don't know if you saw that. After the, the Capitol Hill thing, the House of Representatives voted to unimpeach him, to reverse the first impeachment, because they said, no, we were being kind of dicks the first time, and this guy's really good for the country, so we're going to reverse impeach him. So why would they, you know, why would this be set up in any way? Because they hate Trump. So why would they allow Trump to look so good? You know, as a result of this, he looked so good. He's never looked better. In his career as a politician, he's never looked better than than after what happened at Capitol Hill. So so why would this be staged? I mean, clearly it backfired on them then if they wanted Trump to look bad. So that's one possibility out the window. Couldn't possibly be been that. <laughs> I don't know. And then it's like Nancy Pelosi, who I love, go off. I love that batch. She's on 60 Minutes talking about like Nancy describes what it was like in the Capitol during those hostile moments of fear and panic. And it's it's just it is just it's really convenient. It's politically convenient that everyone was kind of mad at Nancy, right? Because Nancy held up the stimulus, you know, she didn't want Trump to get that win, right? So she held up the stimulus, and she made it not as good as it could have been, because she wanted to wait for Joe to become president, or Joe's body double, I mean. She felt like she'd rather make the body double look good than make Donald look good, which, you know, that's politics. So people were mad at Nancy. But now, all of a sudden, all it took was, uh, you know, a couple red hats in the Capitol, about, you know, 70 or 80 red hats in the Capitol building taking selfies. And now, Nancy is a victim, and people should feel bad for her. They shouldn't be mad at her. I mean, what's a stimulus bill when Nancy was almost taken from us? What is a stimulus bill, really? Who cares? Just seems pretty convenient, you know? Doesn't it seem convenient to you? I don't know. I mean, obviously, I care a lot about Nancy. She's a really important woman to me, personally. 
And, uh, you know, I was just, I was, uh, I was really struck by how convenient this was for her, you know, not that I'm trying to implicate anything. I would never do that. Sometimes I feel like Randy in that episode of South Park in the Sarcasta Ball ep episode where I like cannot break out of this satirical trap where everything I say is the opposite of what I mean. There's just a point of no return with sarcasm where you, it just it I mean that that episode is so true. Like, sarcasm and cynicism just consume you. You know, that's where I'm at. But uh, they give me no choice. I mean, when you get, when you get, I don't know. You can't be too cynical. Like, Alex Berenson said that when he was on Rogan, I think. Like, if there's one thing about politics and politicians is you cannot be too cynical. You can't be. It's impossible to be too cynical. Like if you think you're too cynical when it comes to politicians, then you're, you're on the right track. Then you're almost as cynical as you should be. And when you know you're being way too cynical, when you know for a fact, when people are talking politics and politicians, and you know for a fact that you're being way too cynical, then you're being just cynical enough, barely. So, I don't know. Uh, and then the sarcasm is just, well, it's kind of funny. So that's helpful. You know what I was thinking about? Like, I shared that meme of, there's a funny, it's like a meme. I don't know. It was a tweet. And uh, it's a it's a it's side by side. It's a picture. It's side by side. It's like Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, um, the British, the fat British guy. What's his name? James. Uh, what the fuck is his name? It doesn't matter. Corbin or something. Cor Corden Gordon. I don't know. I don't know. Um, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, James Corden. Is that his name? Okay, look. It's them. It's picture all these late night guys side by side by side. And it says, uh, name these name, name who these people are wrong answers only. And then the, the, the answer is like comedians, right? I took so long to describe that, and it was just unnecessary. But it's obviously because they've become the least funny people. Like, Jake Tapper? Look, you know, I don't, I've been being sarcastic the entire time, obviously. I mean, dude, how vaccinated are you that you didn't see that? You know that, obviously. So I can't stand CNN. Like, I hate watch it sometimes, but even that, I used to do that more. I, I just don't do it because then it's just, like, annoying. You just get annoyed. I'm like, why, why would I do that? Sometimes you go out of your way, you want to get annoyed. Sometimes I do that. 
That's why I, I still have Twitter. I mean, I'm banned. I'm, I'm currently, uh, we'll go over that in a second. Banned again, but not permanently. Um, but yeah, sometimes you hate what, anyway, anyway, look. Jake Tapper is sometimes funnier than the late night guys. Like I've seen Jake Tapper on occasion. I will say like he's the most tolerable of I mean look, I don't like I don't even bother with Fox. I don't I don't watch it at all unless something's happening like and I don't want to hear the script or I want to hear a different script. When the Capitol Hill thing was happening, I mean, do you guys notice this? Like how orchestrated the language is? Start to pay attention to that. You know, like if you want to, you can start spotting propaganda. You can start spotting what they're doing and how they're doing it. And the language is a big thing. And just understand that what was going on in the Capitol, look at the wording they were using. I mean, you remember this. They were talking, they kept. At first, they kept using the word mob. They kept saying white supremacist mob. They were mostly saying that. Or Trump mob. But they kept describing it as a mob. Now, I mean, you know, obviously you've heard it before. You know, when they're burning down like Philadelphia or Portland or something, it's a protest. Right? To CNN MSNBC, it's a protest. To Fox, that's a riot. So they all do it. It's language. It's very important to what they're doing. And then if you've noticed, they will only refer to this now as insurrection or attempted coup. But even they've kind of backed off on the attempted coup thing because of how retarded that is. I mean, well, it would just demonstrate that you have zero understanding of what a coup is, you know? So people just want to misuse words. But we've been misusing words for years now. I mean, you know... Everyone is a racist. Everyone is a white supremacist. Everyone is an insurrectionist. Everyone is a domestic terrorist because words mean nothing. If there's anything that people need to understand about the world today, it's that words mean nothing. <coughs> but I'm telling you, you just try to look out for this. On Fox, they're protesters. On CNN, they're insurrectionists. On MSNBC, they're a white supremacist mob. But the language is important. And just look at the consistency with which they use the language and how frequently, because they need to repeat it over and over and over again. I mean, that's like a fucking the corniest Hitler quote, right? That's a Hitler quote. It's just like, if you repeat a lie, like frequently enough and loud enough or whatever, I'm butchering it. If you repeat a lie enough, people believe it. That's basically, but you know, I mean, that's what they do. I mean, that's what they do. Even if they're telling the truth, they they got to drive it home, drive it home, drive it home, repeat, 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 always. So you could just try to notice the language. I mean, that's a, become a big thing that I've noticed with what they do. Anyway, what was I talking about that got me here? I think I was talking about Jake Tapper. He's the least bad at least for the left, you can't even call these people left. They're not left. They're corporate liberals. They're corporate Democrats. So they're not liberal and they're not left. They are corporate. 
but they're corporate Democrats. That's all you can call them. I mean, there's nothing, to me, in the United States of America, there's nothing worse than a corporate Democrat. Because, I mean, it's like it's like those other memes where it's like, the GOP doesn't shy away from the fact that they're assholes and they don't care about you. They don't even shy away from it. They kind of lean into it. They go, the government shouldn't be helping people. Why would the government help people? And some people like that. And they go, yeah, fuck that. I don't want the government to help me. And the Democrats go, the government should help you. And then they use the government to ruin you, you know? Then they use the government to enrich themselves at the expense of everyone else. So they're deceptive. Now, it's most annoying. The the people on the right or the Republicans, the corporate Republicans are the most annoying when we're at war. And then they get to go all patriot and shame people for not supporting a war, whether it's justified or not, you know? That's when they're most annoying. So it's like post 9-11 America, immediately post 9-11 America, that's when the the Republicans, the corporate Republicans are the worst and they're the biggest problem and they're awful. But now it's like, I mean, you see it, dude. Like, who's worse? I mean, look, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of irrelevant who's worse. I'm just trying to explain to you why I focus on what I focus on. Because right now, You have to be worried about who has a moral high ground because they exploit the fuck out of a moral high ground. People on the news exploit the fuck out of a moral high ground. Everyone does. And people love getting into arguments and they love asserting their moral standing when they feel like they're on the right side of something. And it just so happens that right now, the Democrats have an easier time faking like they're on the right side of a moral issue. Because, I mean, look, it's like it's all optics and it's like what seems like, I mean, that it's the game, right? We were talking about it with Martin. It's the game. Like, if they get to go on TV and go, people are dying. This virus has taken the lives Of 2 million people. Like how they almost took Nancy from us. They almost took her. Then they sound like they care. If they go on the news and they go 400,000 American lives taken from us. Is that what it's at now? I mean, what's it really at? Like, I don't know. 45,000, right? Something like that. I don't know. Speculation, okay, granted, conjecture, speculation, I don't know. 45,000 might be an overstatement. It's possible. Whatever. But, listen, if they're going to take that position, they're going to go, people are dying, and then I'm going to take the position, I'm going to say, look, people are going to die. That is part of life, is dying. There's going to be viruses And there's going to be things that happen that cut life short. You know, people die in car accidents. People die. People get murdered. Brutally sometimes. Like like when we, to bring it back to a a real coup, like when uh, 
when Gaddafi was brutally murdered at the behest of Hillary Clinton in the Libyan coup, right? When he was sodomized, sodomized with a bayonet. That means he was fucked in the ass with a sword. Okay? Publicly executed by a mob of... Uh, by a mob of angry people. Okay? So, that's what a coup looks like. A coup looks like a guy getting sodomized by a bayonet in public while people cheer and the military hands over the new leadership to the guy that they want. Okay. <coughs> but if I say that, if I say, look, if they say people are dying right now and you think it's funny, you know, whatever, whatever they say, they always say that, dude, this isn't funny, bro. Now is not the time for jokes. If anyone ever says now is not the time for jokes, that's the least funniest person you know. I was supposed to say least funny. I said least funniest. It made me sound silly. If you ever want to know someone, if you ever want to know if someone's funny or not, if they say, dude, now is not the time for a joke, then they're not funny. Then they're the least funny person you know. They're very unfunny. But people are very emotional right now and they get worked up about things and they don't like a joke. But it's fine. I mean, what, what can you do? But anyway, so if they say, look, 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 if they say, People are dying right now. You know? Don't you care? That's such an easy moral high ground to have, right? I talked about this, I'm sure, on the last episode where I said you can make your own moral high ground argument saying that if soldiers fought for freedoms and liberty, then you willingly giving that up because of a virus that's not really that bad is kind of like spitting on the graves of the soldiers. It's just a moral argument. I'm not saying I think that. I'm saying I'm using it as an example of how easy it is to make a moral argument and then to put yourself above other people. But regardless, if I say, look, I know people are dying and it's tragic, but we cannot continue to go on like this, taking away everything that makes life good like getting together with people and enjoying a night with friends and seeing people's face. Like what a simple thing. Seeing someone's facial expression, like we're taking that away. And I say, look, it's just too much. It's not worth it. The virus is not bad enough to justify it. Then I might be right. And they might be right, but clearly they have the better morality argument. It doesn't mean they're right. But if they want to make other people think like, yeah, yeah, that's true. People are dying. Don't you care? Then it's easier. It's just the easier, more argument to make. I mean, it's always lazy. It's always so lazy. What's the easiest way for me to make myself better than a bunch of people? Just think up a nice little moral argument. And you can be better than anyone you want. Even people who are more successful than you and better than you in every conceivable way. You could be better than them morally. You could straw man them. You could do whatever you want. So all of that is to say that 
the Democrats have these easy moral arguments where they're able to put themselves above everyone else right now. And that is tricky. And it's not, that's who you got to look out for. That's who you got to look out for. When 9-11 happened, who were the people who pushed the Freedom Act? It was the people on the right. Even though all the people on the left voted because they were terrified. And they knew it would look so bad if they voted against it. So they had to go with it. They had no choice. And that's why the Republicans were dangerous at that time. Okay? And that's why they're the people to look out for. Because they go, if you don't think we should punish terrorism and these terrorist Muslims, then you hate America and you're not a patriot. Right? See? That's dangerous. That gives them too much power. They, they wield too much power with that. And now, with this little capital insurrection, this attempted coup that I am reeling from. I'm reeling from it right now. It seriously is so reeling. They almost took Nancy. You know, so they are able to use that and then they're able to say, look, we need to crack down on domestic terrorism. We need to crack down on domestic terrorism. We need to crack down on hate speech on the internet. We need to make these companies hold them accountable for them being able to spread misinformation online. We need to have, you know, platform hosting services stop hosting these evil apps like Parler and things of that nature. You know, that is that is why the Democrats are dangerous more so than the Republicans right now. Because by using the virus and using this whole their whole misinformation shtick and the capital violence, they are going to implement their version of the Patriot Act, whatever they want to put into it. It'll be 10,000 pages long, and it'll all be done in the name of domestic terrorism. It'll all be done in the name of health and safety, you know? But that's why you got to look out for them right now, okay? So I'm not saying the Republicans are good guys. They're all bad guys. It's by design. If you're in the government, you're a bad guy. I'm sorry. The only exception ever was Ron Paul. There are zero other exceptions. Maybe Tulsi Gabbard, but that's it. They're horrible people. That's why I also didn't get I was like, why is everyone so mad that they're storming the Capitol building? It's like literally the worst people in our society work there. You know, this like in a lot of ways, the sole reason for so much suffering is right there in that building. At least they're in the right place, right? At least these people went to the right place. Aren't you at least proud of them for that? I was a little bit proud of them. I said, at least they didn't go down to the bodega and smash the windows and loot it or whatever. At least they didn't, you know, they went to the source of the problem. Now, the reason they were there was the wrong reason. See, that's, that's what it is. They were there because they can't accept that Donald Trump lost. And Donald Trump accepted that Donald Trump lost. And I was going to say, if Donald Trump can accept that he lost, which he did, then why can't we accept that masks don't work? Can we all do that, please? I know it's kind of a, I know it's kind of a side note. I just wanted to throw it out there for your consideration, please. But they went there <laughs> because they, they can't accept the results of the election. That's 
That's what the problem is. They should be down there because of the lockdowns and the mask mandates. and <clears throat> That's why they should be down there. But they're down there because they can't accept that Joe Biden cheated better than Donald Trump did. I mean, if Donald Trump really wanted to win the election, he should have cheated more than the Democrats did. But in politics, the better cheater wins. And Trump, contrary to the beliefs of many people, is not nearly as good of a cheater as Joe Biden is. And so Joe Biden earned that election. This is how elections work, people. You know, when, 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 is, that gonna, when is that gonna start to stick? Whoever can orchestrate a better cheating campaign is going to win. That's how an election works. You know, George Bush was a better cheater than Al Gore. Joe Biden, better cheater than Donald Trump, or I should say Joe, Joe Biden's body double and his team. But the team is better. So you lost. And it wasn't fair and square, but it never is. And it will never be. This is that cynicism thing I was telling you about. You can't be too cynical. Some of you are going, no, there have been fair elections before. I mean, maybe. It's probably been decades. It's probably been many, many decades. The fact that lobbying is legal should be concerning to everyone. That's a rigged election. If you can get money from corporate interests, they support your campaign. If, if a corporation can dump a bunch of money into your campaign and you're running against someone and they can't get that same amount of money, that's a rigged election, right? Now, look, if you're going to raise money from people, it's different. But think about like, it's like when Bernie was running against Hillary and Bernie was raising a bunch of money from people, from individuals. And Hillary was raising money almost exclusively from corporations. And she raised so much more money. That's a rigged election, you know? I mean, look, it's not, it's, you're, it's, it's allowed. It's not cheating. But that should be concerning. That's what the problem is, is that it's not cheating, you know? That's why it's like, Every it's like in order to win in politics, you have to be purchased because if you're not purchased, you're never going to be able to raise enough money to win. It's very simple, folks. I mean, it's not simple, but some parts of it, some parts of it are a little more simple than others. And this happens to be one of those parts. It's not that hard to absorb it, right? If you need money to win an election... And a corporation offers you a bunch of money and you win the election. That's going to mean something for your behavior going forward. No. Is that going to maybe. Is that going to maybe impact your decision making in the future? Do you think that that might impact your decision making going forward? I don't think it would be a stretch. Right. I don't think it would be much of a stretch to suggest that. Okay, I I just took a momentary break. I just I I want to go a little longer on this episode. 
I feel like maybe make them a little longer since they're not so frequent. And just get all the thoughts out. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes the other thing is I'm like, I, I'm too charged up about this. And I have to give it a week or two. Before I go, I go run in my mouth, you know. And I go, all right. Let me just, uh, let me absorb it all. And really think about it. And then... And then I'll tell the people, okay? You know, then I'll tell my 11 listeners because they deserve to know. But it's just like, how does it, like, how does no one get that? This is all a joke. It's like a joke. This is like a really good bit. I don't get how more people don't get that this is like a bit. This is like a joke. This is like it's all being orchestrated by a really good comedian. You know, when for months there are big protests for Black Lives Matter, big protests and 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 they're usually they're usually pretty peaceful. Sometimes they devolve into riots. It happens. And that's always mostly peaceful protests. I mean, there's a hilarious, it's funny. Like there's a hilarious picture that that will pop up every now and then of like this reporter. It's probably CNN. I think it's CNN. And the, the, the caption at the bottom says, mostly peaceful protests. And behind the reporter is just, it's burning. Like a building is burning. A building is on fire and the caption says mostly peaceful protests, right? And everyone and no one likes the cops like all the Black Lives Matter people. They don't like the cops and they want to hold the cops accountable. And then these people go to the Capitol. And it's a mostly peaceful protest and it devolves. It does devolve into. Into a riot, you know, not an insurrection and attempted coup, but a riot. And people are, are, are going off and, and there's chaos. And, and then everyone, and then no one likes protests anymore. And no one, and everyone likes the cops and people literally switch sides. That, that was the punchline to a really good bit. Like, does no one see that that's funny? We should be laughing. We should have laughed. We should have went, Hey, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? That That's not a peaceful protest. Wait a second. That was the punchline. That was the punchline. Don't you see? That was a really good bit. Like, if I was in charge, I'd be doing stuff like that. Because I think that shit's funny. So everyone was all mad. How could you be making jokes right now? What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, dude, the whole thing's a joke. I'm just telling you that that's the punchline. You know, I just I don't think like maybe you didn't get it. I'm just trying to spell it out for you. That was the punchline to a long running bit. And some of these people in high places are doing some of the best comedy I've ever seen. It's really 
That was the punchline. Don't you see? Take everyone who's been so passionate about these things for basically a year. I mean, more for for six years. I mean, when was the first one? Was it like Eric Gardner or something like that? I mean, that was like Obama was still president five, six years ago. Maybe even more than that. Take all of that and just flip it on its head. That's comedy. That's a bit. That was the punchline. Don't you see? That was a punchline to an excellently orchestrated bit. Some of the best comedy we've seen ever in the history of people. That was one of the best bits ever. And a lot of people just missed the punchline. They took it seriously. No, that was a joke. The whole thing's a joke. You know? So we shouldn't be at each other's throats. We should be laughing. We should take off the masks and hug each other and laugh and just laugh this off. This has been a really, really funny bit orchestrated by power elites. Let's give them some credit where it's due. They crushed it. They're doing, you know, Jimmy Kimmel is on TV crying. And the power elites are doing some of the best comedy that this world has ever seen. So, I don't know, man. It's comedy. It's a joke. The whole thing's a joke. It's like getting people to wear two masks. I just shared something. I forget what, I think it was like a local news network. And they all fall under that umbrella. They're either under the, I don't know, like the Viacom umbrella or like the whatever, you know. They're all uh, subsidiaries of these larger corporations. So did I use the word subsidiaries correctly? I'm not sure. But I saw I saw a, a clip that on Instagram and it was like, you know, from one of these like local news networks sources and they're like people should be wearing two masks this new covid strain have you considered wearing a second mask like that's also a punchline to a bit that's a 10 month long bit and they go you think we can get these fuckers to wear two masks to the same that wouldn't that be funny and they're doing another bit and it is funny if you see it that way like, I'm learning to appreciate it a little bit. It used to frustrate me and make me mad, but I'm starting to see it for what it is, which is which is grade A comedy, like triple A comedy. You know? It's, it's hilarious. And maybe if we start seeing it that way, we'll stop hating each other so much, we'll have a good laugh about it. Because it's funny. When I start walking around Hoboken, because obviously Hoboken's a little gay. It's not as bad as maybe Williamsburg, but it's not great. And I'm going to see a bunch of 20-year-olds wearing two masks. 20-year-olds who cannot die from COVID. They can't die. They're so safe from COVID. They'll get a 98.9 fever and sniffles. 
and they're going to be wearing two masks. And I'm going to finally, that used to make me mad. Now I'm just going to laugh because that's the punchline. And I've been missing the joke this whole time, but I'm a comedian and I have no excuse. You know, maybe regular folks, they have an excuse why they're not seeing how funny this truly is. But I'm a comedian. I have no excuse. And I need to start seeing this for what it truly is, which is an amazing bit. I mean, I've done bits like I'll, I'll do a bit for a few weeks where I'm like playing a character at like some open mics and kind of build on it. And it becomes funnier over time. But I'll only do it for a couple weeks. These people do bits for years before they reveal the punchline. And I have to start appreciating that for what it is. I mean, Dave Chappelle doesn't even do that. These people are hilarious. So I think uh, we got to come to terms. I think it's important for us to come to terms with this now. It's like... It's like when they uh, increase the lockdown measures, right, in a place like L.A. or, you know, just in California in general. It's like when they increase the lockdown methods or guidelines and they make them stricter. And then following that, L.A. becomes the epicenter of COVID cases. To the extent that apparently one in three people in L.A. have coronavirus. And that's after they increase the lockdown methods. And so to most people, you would look at that and you go, oh, maybe the the masks and the, the, the lockdown, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it's not having much of an impact that we thought it would. And... And then, but you think that people would say that and then, and then, but then people go, oh, well, no, that's because there's not a hundred percent compliance. That's because not every single person is doing it. And then you go, well, okay, maybe not everyone's doing it, but wouldn't just increasing it, like why would increasing the lockdown stuff and like, you know, making people wear masks in more places, why would that result then in, in in this place becoming the epicenter of, of this virus. And they got, no, no, but it's just because of the, it's just because of the non hundred. It's just because of the non-compliance. It's because of the non-compliers. That's why. So it really, you know, and you go, wait, wouldn't it have some kind of impact though? Like, wouldn't it still decrease the overall number of cases and deaths and hospitalizations? Like, no, it's it's got to be 100% compliance. And you go, oh, you're doing a bit. You see? It's all a bit. I can't believe I never saw it. It's a bit. It's funny. They're doing a punchline right there. That's a punchline. You know? That's when the, the laugh track would be on. If this was a sitcom, and then one person goes, well, shouldn't... Shouldn't it be lessening the overall number of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths? And the other person goes, no, because there's no 100% compliance. And then the laugh track goes, ah, ha, 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 ha. And then the studio audience laughs. They turn on the laugh and applause light. And then everyone laughs and applauds. That's the punchline. We're just not seeing the punchline. All right, well, look, I don't have much else to say, okay? Um, I'm sure I do, but I just can't think of it right now. 
And uh, I don't know. I think we just got to we gotta remember when you're feeling sad or when you're feeling frustrated, just remember that this is a bit and it's going to be funny once we find out what the punchline is, you know? And Joe Biden is coming into office and, and you know, this new strain of coronavirus, this United Kingdom strain that's way more transmissible, that's the setup, okay? Let me explain comedy to you because you might not be an expert. And I fancy myself a bit of an expert. I've been doing this a while. The new strain is the setup, okay? The mask mandate, that's the punchline, okay? So so if Joe Biden comes in, I'm not saying he's definitely going to do this. I'm just saying I, I see the joke coming. So when Joe Biden comes into office and he says this new strain is unlike anything we've seen before. It is the most transmissible thing that ever happened in human history or viral history for that matter. So we need to mandate masks. I know it's been an entire year. But now, after a year, we're going to mandate masks. That's the punchline. So if that happens, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get resentful. I'm just going to laugh. Okay? And I suggest you do the same. But just make sure you have... Just make sure if you laugh that you have on 11 masks. Because... As you know, you 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 know you spit out a lot of droplets when you're laughing. So just remember to laugh safely. Never laugh with more than ele- with with less than eleven masks on. Okay. Mandated, of course. And just always remember that it's a gigantic bit that you're living through the greatest bit in human history, and have a little goddamn respect for the comedians in charge. Thank you for listening, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon.